Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Causes or Cures. I'm Dr. Eeks, your host. Thanks so much for joining in wherever you may be in the world. So one of the topics I've been focused on for 2022 is the opioid epidemic. I want to bring on different experts, stakeholders, people with compelling personal stories to highlight different aspects of the epidemic. Today, my guest is Cheryl Jouer. Cheryl is the founder of Team Sharing, a not-for-profit organization for parents who have lost kids to substance use disorder. Cheryl's reason for starting Team Sharing is personal, as she lost two sons to the opioid epidemic. In the podcast, she's going to talk about her personal journey with navigating loss and grief, her inspiration for starting Team Sharing, and all of the work they do all over the country. She is also going to share her view on what the public health response to the opioid epidemic should look like. This is during a time when states are getting a lot of money through various settlements with pharmaceutical companies. What should they do with that money? And she is going to describe what it was like to personally address the Sackler family, the family who owned Purdue Pharma, the disgraced company that spread false information now widely known to have fueled the opioid epidemic. So let's connect with Cheryl and hear her story. All right, everybody. Uh, today, our guest on Causes or Cures is Cheryl Jouer. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for being here. Um, so Cheryl founded an, an amazing organization from everything I've seen and read called Team Sharing, which she's going to talk more about in the podcast. She founded it in 2015. And it's an organization for parents who have lost a child to substance use disorder. This includes um, opioids. Now, I know this is a very personal uh, story for you, Cheryl. And I was wondering if you would mind sharing some of your story um, and why you're so impassioned by this. So um, I lost my son, Corey, uh, February 24th, 2011. Um, I was living in Florida at the time, and Corey was um, up in Massachusetts. I had moved down to Florida to, to uh, do a business with my husband, and we were kind of hoping to retire. But, um, you know, Corey was, he was like a typical uh, teenage kid. He dabbled in marijuana and in, in drugs and whatnot. But, you know, by the time he was 23 years old, he didn't have a job. He had a four and a half month old daughter. He um, he lived in uh, public housing. And I'm like, you know, Corey, I don't know what's wrong with you, but I didn't raise my kids to be like this. Now, I thought because he was my baby um, that, you know, maybe I spoiled him a little bit too much. And um, so Corey tried to talk to me several times about addiction and I wouldn't listen to him because I thought it was a choice. So, I mean, I've learned a lot in these past 11 years for sure. But, um, you know, I, I got the call. He, Corey was supposed to come down and visit me in Florida because he was going through some issues and he was on probation and he had to jump through hoops to get permission uh, to come visit me in Florida. And he did. And so I called him the day before 
and uh, to make sure that he had a ride to the airport and that he was all set. And I was all packed because when I picked him up, we were going to go to the beach because it was February. And um, uh, I, I, there was no answer. And I kept calling all day long and there was no answer. And, and I started to pace the floors because I'm like, this is not like him. I know how badly he wants to come down. Um, my oldest son is a police officer in, in Massachusetts. And I called him up and I said, Bobby, can you send a police officer over? Uh, Corey lived in Arlington at the time. And I said, could you send a police officer over to Corey's house in Arlington and have them do a wellness check? I just can't figure out why he's not answering his phone. And so, you know, that gut feeling that a mom has when something is really, really wrong um, was in me. And, um, and I got the call back from Bobby um, who my husband picked up the phone, but he wanted to tell me himself. And he said, mom, Corey's dead. So Corey had died from a heroin overdose that I had no idea he was even using. So, uh, so that, that, uh, the next couple of years in while I lived in Florida, because I was tied down to the business, I couldn't get back home. Yeah. But I was flying home every three months just to be near his grave, just to be at his grave. I should say just to be near his bones. And, and moms that, that have lost kids, they understand that because I would lay on top of his grave crying, just wanting to feel those bones close to mine. It's, it's something that that hopefully nobody really understands but it was something that I I for me knew that I had to do um and so I was flying home every three months just just to do that and um nobody in Florida that I knew because I was new there um had lost a child let alone to addiction so it wasn't something I could even go and talk to anybody about I did go to a grief support group but it was for people that have lost anybody and the majority that were there were People in their 80s that had lost their spouses. Yeah. So they didn't even understand what I was going through. Yeah. And so I thought I was going absolutely crazy. And then uh, three years later, we decided to move back home. And um, I don't want to get ahead of your questions. <laughs> no, Because um, it could just go on and on no, and on. I, 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 I was trying to digest your story. I mean, I, I can't understand. I'm just I'm listening. Um, but it's... Um, I'm listening to your story and um, I, I'm not a mother, but I can't, I can't imagine. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah. um, it's one of those things where um, I just can't imagine, but. Um, yeah. And, 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 go ahead. Ahead. No, you go. <laughs> no. it's so when I came back to Massachusetts and, you know, was able to be close to his, his grave and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, I actually on online um, met a couple of, moms that had lost their children from addiction and um we were in like a a support group um not grief support group but just a a support group if you had a child that was active um and sadly that group was growing um and one day one of the moms reached out and um she sent me a text and now I hadn't been in that group for a while she had sent me a text and she said hey there's a bunch of us moms um, meeting at this restaurant. She told me where it was. She said tomorrow night. And she said, I know it's last minute, but if you can make it, we'd love to have you. And she gave me all the information. 
And so I said to my husband, I, I have no idea who this is and what they want, but I just think I should go. I don't know why, but I just think I should go. So to make a long story short, what happened was there were seven of us moms there that had all lost a child from addiction. And that that night changed my whole entire life. So we went around the table and we shared our child. We laughed. We cried. We shared the, you know, like many, many times I felt like I just want to die. I, I don't want to kill myself. I just don't want to live with this pain any longer. And guess what? Those other six felt the exact same way. So that normalized it for me. That told me that, you know what, what you're feeling is okay. Because everybody else is feeling the same thing. Right. And one of the things we talked about was, you know, over time, people, including our family, um, they, they forget our child's, we call it angel bursary. Uh, they forget their birthdays. You know, they came to the wake, they came to the funeral. And then, you know, like most, you, yeah. you move on. Yeah. And they think that that's what we're supposed to do. But we never move on from losing a child. That just, it just doesn't happen that way. And so we, we all talk. And um, so I met seven sisters or six other sisters. There were seven of us that night. So when, when I got home, I was just so excited that I created a Facebook messenger. And I put us all in there because we shared all our information. And we were blowing up Facebook Messenger for days. Mm -hmm. this, was, um, this was in August of 2015. And um, there was a fed up rally going on that we had seen on Facebook uh, in Washington, D.C. in October. And so I asked the ladies, I said, who wants to go? Well, guess what? All seven of us got on an airplane and we went. It was just, it was amazing. Okay. And while we were there, guess what? We met other parents from around the country. And so we, um, so when I, when we came home, I, uh, I created a Facebook group for us to go to. That's so, you know, like I said, we no longer kind of belonged in the, the other group of support yeah. for active children. So I created this group and I, I said, you know, for anybody that wants to join this group, I had some questions and, you know, please share with me your child's name, their date of birth and their date of death, because in this group, we will never, that's something that we will never forget. So every single day we post somebody's child's angel anniversary or birthday, and we recognize that mom on that day. And these moms are just amazed at the caring and outpouring of other moms that have um, supported them. And I, I, I say moms, it's moms and dads, but the majority is, is moms um, that join the group. So yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of how team sharing started. And uh, right now in Massachusetts, we have almost 900 members. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of announcements we do every day, but we still do them. Now, do you still have the the Facebook group? Is that Oh yeah. Oh, that's still active. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So what when you initially started as you as you just told us about um and then I guess as it started to get a little more specific and and the web page, Facebook page, um what what was your vision for it? And what did you what would you hope? I mean, your experience, um, is that what you wanted for other people to feel less alone, to feel uh, heard and, and, and that sort of thing? 
so the pain and and I, and I tell people all the time is I suffered suffered in my grief for three years like I woke up and I cried every day I went to sleep and I cried every day I just it, it was just this the most horrific pain that you could even explain to somebody unless they'd, they'd been through it. But at that time, I didn't know that. You know, I thought it was just me. My first Mother's Day, I never left my bed. Oh. I cried from the minute. I didn't think that your eyelids could go down to the your chin. You know, that that's like I, I cried that much. And, and I just wanted it to be over, you know. And so once I met these ladies, like I said, that changed my life because because I realized that they felt the exact same way. And so what we started to do was we just started to reach out to moms that we were, that as they were losing their children, we were going to wakes all the time, five, six of us, as we were growing, we were going to wakes and we were telling that mom, you know what? We get it. Yeah. We understand. And when you're ready, call us, call one of us, you know, and we'd leave a card with our phone numbers and they, they did. Yeah. But again, with grief, they did in their own time. Yeah, We just let them know that we're there. So my goal was to never let anybody suffer as I did in, in my grief. And that's why, that's why we reached out. Yeah, this is a really beautiful thing to say amidst all the, all the tragedy. So from, from your, um, your website, it looks like you have chapters now all over the country. Um, so can you talk a little more about the specifics your organization can offer people? Are there groups they can meet on, um, in person, online? I know with the pandemic, things have been all over the place, but. Yeah. So, so we started in Massachusetts and we became very, very active. There was, you know, 20, 30 of us and we were going to the movies together. We were going uh, to people's houses. We were having parties away parties, whatever. I mean, we we became a family, and as each as a new mom joined, she became family too. Then what happened was, um, people started hearing about us from other other states, and they wanted to join Massachusetts. And of course, I let them, but I I I didn't want to get to be such a big organization. I just I wanted that intimacy that we that helped us helps us heal. So I'm never going to meet somebody from California, you know. And so that's when I decided to start the national chapter um, so that there would be a place that everybody could go to. So we have 25 state chapters going right now. We have two admins running every every chapter. So they're the ones in charge of their state. They're the ones in charge of getting the moms together, going out to events, going to advocacy events. Um, you know, overdose awareness, they're very, very, very active. Because what you'll find is if a grieving mom just sits there and does nothing, they will probably die. And the majority of the moms, and I say this all the time, the, the strongest warriors you'll ever see are the people that have lost a child. No matter how you lose a child, they're the ones that are up front speaking and because it's given them a purpose and they don't want their child to ever have died in vain. So, so we have the national chapter, we have a chapter in Canada, and we have um, the 25 state chapters. That's amazing. Um, uh, it's just, it's doing so much good. Um, and, and just, you know, really just taking something 
all this grief and turning it, it you know, helping people cope and get through. Um, and I can't, I can't imagine what you went through. Um, so I don't really have any words. I don't, you know, I, I couldn't, I just can't imagine. Um, but uh, now I, and I know, you know, I have read some of the articles that you've appeared in your, your, um, your organization and some of the quotes in your story. Um, and, uh, and, you know, there's all these lawsuits going on with the, um, the opioid companies, pharmaceutical companies, and you recently had the opportunity to address the Sackler family uh, virtually, I, I guess, face-to-face in some ways. Um, and how did you feel about that when you first heard you were going to have, and for those, I mean, mostly everybody knows what the Sackler family was the family that owned P- Purdue Pharmaceuticals. Um, and it's well shown now that there was a misinformation campaign and there was, you know, mi- lots of false statements about how addictive uh, prescribed opioids were. Um, and, and that's well out there now. So you were given this opportunity along with other family members who lost loved ones to, to opioids, to the opioid epidemic. Um, what were you thinking when you first heard you were going, you were going to be able to address them? Well, first let me just back up a little bit because in our groups, so I'm from Massachusetts and my attorney general is Maura Healy. Um, Back in 2018, uh, she spoke of, um, she had filed a a lawsuit against the Sackler family. And I didn't know what Oxycontin was or opioids. I, I wasn't familiar with any of this. And so I got a copy of her complaint. Now, in team sharing, we talk about, you know, how our child died and, you know, um, so many of them had died from, you know, they started with prescriptions, Mm. but nobody, like, it didn't really click for anybody. I, so I read the complaint and it was like a lightning bolt went off in my head and I'm like, oh my God, this is like how our kids died. And then when you start, really start reading about the Sackler family and the, in the, you know, the lawsuits that they've yeah. been accused of and just all those things. It, it just totally, totally blew my mind. So again, parents that have lost children are, they're amazing warriors. So in August of 2018, now she filed the suit, I, I believe in June of 2018. I uh, created a Facebook event and I said with my co-host Ryan Hampton, and I said, said to Everybody in the group and the national group, we're going to go. We're going to go march in front of the uh, Purdue Pharmaceutical Building in, in Connecticut. Who wants to go? And I just made it an event. Um, you can you can look it up. We had between four and five hundred parents show up across the country, all holding photos of their children marching in front of Purdue Pharmaceuticals. And so from there. We went on to other things. We went to Harvard University. We asked them to uh, take the name off the building. Uh, we went to Washington D.C. We went to the um, we went to the FDA, uh, accusing them of their role. And so, so we got highly, highly involved. Then I had an opportunity through my my co-host Ryan Hampton, who's who's um, who's wrote, written a couple of books, uh, to go to New York. There was an opportunity to sit on the uh, unsecured creditors committee, but you had to apply for the job and it, 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 it's a volunteer job. 
and the um, U.S. trustee's office is the one who interviews you and they decide. And so a bankruptcy, um, you have, you know, creditors. And so there was this uh, committee that was being formed and we all went. And um, little did I know that uh, I, I, I got chosen to sit on this committee. Ryan Hampton was chosen to sit on this committee. And for me, it was the most exciting thing because it was now that I'm on this committee, I have a voice. Yeah. I can make a difference. I can go in there and, you know, do everything that we that we were trying to do. So it was really, really, really huge. Um, Ryan Hampton was one, too. There was only nine. Uh, there's five companies and four individuals that were chosen to be on this committee. It was a, wow. it was a long process. It was a whole day in New York City at, at a courthouse. Wow. Um, but But I got chosen. But the hard thing that for me was I had to go back and tell everybody, guess what? I can't talk to you about what's going on inside here. Right. You know, I have to, I have to be quiet, but right. trust me when you know that I'm working for you. And they do. They've all known me since the beginning, whether yeah. I've met them in person or not. They, they all know who you. I am. Yeah. So they did. They trusted me. And so uh, it's been going on for two and a half years. So because I'm on the committee, I, I had that option to sit, be wow. one of the 26 people to sit and, and talk to the SACWAs. But as a matter of fact, um, I also have sat through many depositions watching the Sacklers on Zoom. Uh, so I've had, I've had, and that wasn't an easy thing to do either. So, um, so yeah, uh, it was, uh, it was pretty tough. Um, I didn't expect to cry like I did. Um, well, I just want to back up again one more second. So sure. this past June 25th. And it's, it's not, you wouldn't see it on, on my website, but um, I lost another son. I lost my second son um, to an overdose. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know it was that recent. Okay. Yeah. So while sitting on a, sitting on the uh, UCC committee, trying to fight for lives, I lost my son. So I've lost two now. Um, so we were in a room um, in it was a big Zoom. We got to see the judge and whoever was speaking was the one talking. But there were two Sacklers that had to sit there and listen to us. David Sackler, which is Richard Sackler's son, and Therese Sackler, who is a dame and she's Mortimer's third wife. And they had to sit there on Zoom and watch us as we spoke. And I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty good. I can go in and, you know, uh, do what the best of them do. But when I started hearing some of the stories before me, I said, oh, no, I could feel the lump in my throat. I'm not going to do this well. So when I shared my story, I, I pretty much cried throughout the whole the whole thing. Um, it was it was really tough to do. It was tough to do. And there was um, there was no reaction on on any of their faces. And Richard Sackler he was there, but he was, and because he's the devil himself, he was there, but he was um, behind the scenes. So he was. He didn't put um, his camera on. No. Hmm. And a lot of people were angry at that. But like I told the papers that day, I'm, I'm glad it happened that way because I sat through eight hours of a deposition watching his face. Mm -hmm. And he has no soul. So if a mom, let's say like me, was crying and pouring my heart out, 
he probably would have taken a bite of a ham sandwich and not thought twice about it. Really? And that would have made it really hard for the person sharing their story, right? Yeah. To see somebody so insensitive. So I'm glad he didn't show his face. And I think that they knew that he was, would be like that because that's just who he is. And so I say, he's got no soul. Um, the, uh, Teresa just, she just kind of sat there. She, she never, there was no facial movement whatsoever for the two hours that it lasted. And David, I saw his face get red. So he, he was containing himself. So I almost saw a little bit of, uh, compassion. If that's what, if that's what you want to say, um, just a little bit. So, I mean, out of anybody that I've seen, that was probably the most. So, but um, it wasn't easy to do. And I can't in the majority, the stories, the stories from the other 25 were just, wow. It was I, just amazing. I, I mean, I, I read some of them. I just can't imagine, you know, being there and seeing it. And uh, I don't know how I would react. If it, do you think that they have any remorse at all? Nothing. They just. I don't. I don't know. No, I, I really don't. It was just, and one of the questions that I had asked them was, you know, how much money is enough? Like, like, you know, we're talking about lives here. Like, I don't know if I had a million dollars, million, like that would, you know, I would do good with it, yeah. but billions and billions of dollars, like, what would you do with it? You, you, so, I mean, they didn't do anything really good with it. They just donated it to museums, yeah. you know, so and their names. So, yeah. Yeah, so it, it was all about them and their status. And um, but truthfully, they are where they're at right now. They can't show their faces. There isn't a person that doesn't know about the sacros, right? You know, and so um, you know they can come out of their palaces or whatever, but there's no place that they can go that they're not known. Yeah, they're they're not really welcome anywhere. They're not welcome anywhere. So you know what? Take your money and you know whatever but yeah uh, i'm still sitting on the ucc committee we are still fighting yeah um you know appeals going on right now and uh going to the second circuit court and uh so so we're still fighting but you know um at the end of the day i mean we're up to about six billion dollars getting it out of the sacklers which is you know i mean we we started at like three so to get it doubled was Double. was yeah. huge um, to get that money out in the streets to help people as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, I can walk away and say, you know what? I was part of that. Absolutely. You know, I was Absolutely. part of that. So, you know, I couldn't save my kids, but I'm trying to save others. And you are, and you are. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, this issue affects you so personally. I work in public health. We know this is a public health crisis. Um, in your opinion, what more could be done or what what aren't we doing that we should be doing? Um, are we missing the boat anywhere? Uh, yeah, what, 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 do you, what do you think? Okay, so all the money that we're getting from this bankruptcy, every single penny has to be used towards abatement. It has to be used towards this opioid crisis. So if a hospital is to get some money, they can't buy an x-ray machine. They have to use it towards towards this crisis. I'm really proud that I live in Massachusetts because Attorney General Maura Healy, before, because she was uh, non-consenting at the beginning, but now, but then she turned to consenting, um, if, if you understand the bankruptcy thing. Um, 
she put a plan in place. Okay, so she she created this Opioid Recovery and Remediation Fund Advisory Council. Um, there's a there's a whole law written up on it, and there's a whole process, and there's 21 people that sit on this that's going to oversee the money. And then they went ahead and they wrote this term sheet about where the money could be used. And it's it's amazing. It's a, So for me, I think that if every attorney general in every state duplicated what she's done, we could really get a big start on this crisis. And, you know, I mean, in, employment assistance support, recovery support, treatment, education, housing, all that stuff. A lot of um, boots on the ground organizations, um, safe injection facilities. I, I'm, a, I'm a strong believer in that. And, and most parents are me, once they me learn. Too. Me too. Yep. Good. Um, once they learn what it's all about, it's not just a place for them to go use drugs. No. Um, so um, there's, there's a lot that's in that term sheet that says all this stuff. So from that point, what I shared the other day was because Maura Healy had a press conference. She invited me to speak on behalf of team sharing there because I support her. And they sent, they sent me the list of all the towns and cities in Massachusetts and how much money they're getting every year for the next 18 years from those three distributors in Johnson and Johnson that the country got $26 billion for Um, Massachusetts got 525 million. So now I've reached out to the different towns and cities and and organizations on Facebook. And I said, okay, guys, this is your opportunity. You need to go to your mayor or your town manager and say, okay, what are we going to do with this money? Here's the list. You know what they, you know, the money that's coming in and it's going to come in in a couple of weeks. Now that's what you need to do. And then you need to plan, you know, do they have Narcan in the schools? Do the police and fire carry Narcan? Do do you need more beds? Do you need more um, more housing? You, you know, you need to figure it out in your town, and then take it and go with it. You know, and so that's really the plan um, from the top all the way down to the bottom. And if every state did exactly that, but so so many people are worried that the states are just going to sit there and just keep the money in in their coffers like they usually do because they don't know what to do with it. They, exactly, they don't know right? what to do with it. Yeah, they. That's right. um, I've heard that a lot uh, from other researchers that even have come on this podcast, and that's a concern. What the mm-hmm. states will and, and they may not know how to use it, and then of course, you know, it goes to the wrong places. Um, right. Yeah. Right. But this can't. Right. This cannot go to the wrong places. It has to be used for abatement, which is why I have stayed on the committee so long and fought because, you know, you probably heard a lot that people just want the Sacklers in jail. You know, I don't care about the money. I just want them in jail. Well, the money is what's going to save lives. Them being in jail is not going to save lives. And myself as a Christian, I've quoted scripture that at the end of the day, when they take their last breath, God is the ultimate judge and he will decide. Mm-hmm. where they go yeah yeah that's true yep. um, yeah and you know i really love that they have that they have this uh this a specific list in your straight and i was i mean i wonder if that could be even shared publicly or just to, to even highlight to show other people or to get the word out like this is what they're doing emulate this yeah you know? no so i posted it on my on my personal facebook page i also i posted it all in massachusetts that page 
and to get, you know, the moms and dads that are already active. Yeah. You know, all right, guys, this is what you need to do in your communities because we're all throughout Massachusetts. And I wasn't going to post it on my page because I thought, well, you know, I've got almost 5,000 friends because of, you know, team sharing. But yeah. then I thought, well, because I have almost 5,000 friends, maybe they could take this and share it with their state. Yeah. And it, and so, yes, it, um, they let me know from the attorney general's office that that's public knowledge. So okay. nothing okay. I shared was not public. And so a lot of people are really excited that they have that information. So I, I told them, take it and go to your attorney general and say, yeah. you know, what's like going on in our state. Yeah, absolutely. Like a blueprint. Your mayors, your, yeah. your, yeah, your town managers, go, just go to them and see what you're going to do. Yeah. And, you know, don't, don't just be one of those that are sit back, that's going to sit back and say, well, they're not doing anything with the money. Well, because, you know, you need to get up and, you know, yeah. form a committee, form a coalition, you know, lots of towns have coalitions. Yeah. But now you're going to have the opportunity to, to make a difference. And what we need to do, too, is we need to think outside of the box. We don't need that money to go into the same old, same old, like paying somebody's salary. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. We need to go to, can we open a safe uh, consumption site? And yeah. um, fortunately, Maura Hill is in favor of that. And she's running for governor. So that, that's a good thing. Yeah. That's yeah. a real good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of those. I mean, I've, I've read some literature on them and that kind of thing. Um, and I think a lot of that's going to come, you know, to scientific communication and just communicating to the public, like this is what they do. This is, you know, just even just education around addiction right. and what it is. Yeah. Um, and there's, no. we have miles to go on that for sure. Right. I understand New York. Um, I, we I have one. In, yeah. You have two. I didn't know about the other one. I knew we had one. I think but, they're both in the Bronx. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, we, I don't think New Yorkers have, have an issue with it. Um, but you know, I've heard different, there's different opinions. There's strong opinions on it. Um, to me, it just makes sense. Um, and it's, it's harm reduction, which I, I use it to me, a a great policy, um, and a cost-effective policy too, which people need to really understand if, if they only learned and at least listen and understand the concept behind it. You know, because all the parents in our groups will be the first ones to say, if I had a chance to drive my child to one of those facilities so that one more day he'd be alive, then we'd do it. Yeah. You know, knowing and understanding. But hopefully, hopefully they'll become educated. But again, we need to think outside of the box and we need to start doing something different. People need to step up and do it. Yeah. And, I, and I, what I love about all of your initiatives and even your spirit is that it's it's grassroots. It's at, it's at the community level, even, you know, group like a, lower than that almost. But it shows I think what it does is it shows that it can make such a huge difference. And mm-hmm. these small level like you are making a difference. You're never too small to make a difference. I mean, look how far you've come with all of like with team sharing and uh, just, just getting the word out and, and getting people energized and activated and showing you know you guys can make a difference this way um right. these are all public health initiatives like every right. single one of them um mm-hmm. so i think i think it's fantastic even just as simple as how are you going to get the word out about this protocol like this blueprint so other states can see what you know what a state is doing and that it's evidence-based and this is where the money's going um right. that's this, that is, is what the money health. can be used for yeah. yes yeah. absolutely yeah um it's really a good thing we just need to uh, get the money. 
well, money. Yeah. That, mon- that money that we just got was from, like I said, those three distributors in Johnson and Johnson. Right. Um, right. So we're still waiting on, on Pedro because that's still in appeals and stuff. And if that go, if that doesn't go through, we lose that money. So um, we're the working per, hard per, to for Purdue Pharma. Purdue Pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And well, the Sacklers are contributing. So this is the big issue. They're contri- contributing $6 billion um, to this crisis as long as they're not held liable um, yeah. civilly. Uh, they can be, anybody can go after them, the states or the government can go after them criminally, um, but not civilly. So that, that protects them. So that's where a lot of um, a lot of the appeal and issues are being held up right now. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. Um, Cheryl, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your story. And, you know, if people want to support team sharing or get involved, um, what are some ways that they can do that? Uh, well, they can go to our website. We try to, um, teamsharinginc.org. We try to keep it updated as best we can. Um, but again, let me just go back a little bit. So, you know, you had asked me about, um, how I became a nonprofit. Right, right. So in, 2017, yeah. Right. So in 2015, we started team sharing. In 2017, I got a call out of the blue. Now, we're, we're all supporting each other and, you know, talking and what whatnot. But I got a call out of the blue uh, from a hospital that said, um, we have this family here that just lost their son, and they don't have the funds to pay for his burial. Can you recommend anything? You, do you know of any resources? And literally, I held the hand the phone in my hand and just kind of started to cry because I'm like, you know, we support all these parents as they're grieving their children, but where they really need it, we can't help. Mm. And so that's when I said, you know what? Well, that's when God said, you know what? You're going to become a nonprofit. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's like, yes, you, yes, you do. You're going to become a nonprofit. So like within three months I was a nonprofit, but what we do do with that money um, we don't get any grants. We're just solely uh, fundraising um, Facebook. However, um, people donate on our website. That's that's how we're funded. That's But what we do is we have a benevolence form on our website and um, we help families with burials. We help pay for urns. We do a lot for the children left behind. And that's what we say because the children that, that, we had a child that had a child or had children. And those are the ones who are really suffering, you know, um, for, for the loss of their mom or the loss of their dad. So every year we do Christmas gifts um, wow. here in Massachusetts because we're together. Um, we have a Christmas party and the pictures. I don't have the shares up yet, but the, the pictures are, are on our website from past Christmas parties. Um, last year, because of COVID, we couldn't do a Christmas party. So what we did was we drove to their houses. Santa wow. Claus drove. We had two Santa Clauses. One went to the North Shore, went went to the South Shore, and delivered gifts to the kids. We put a hundred dollar limit on on the gifts. We don't know how many we're going to get, and we just pray that we have the money to cover it. And every year we have the money to cover it. Yeah. And so, um, and then they send pictures of the children opening the gifts. And, um, or sometimes we get videos where the grandmother's, you know, doing it and, and, um, saying, you know, this is a gift from somebody who loved your mommy and they want you to have it. And, um, and it's, it's, you know, hoverboards. I mean, we, we ask 
we, we want to give them something really special. Yeah. You know, sure. not that I'm downing Walmart, but I, I say no. <laughs> you know, so we did a backpack drive and we did a coat drive um, and we went to L.L. Bean. Yeah. So, um, you know, right. we, so, you know, I say just because they lost a mom or dad doesn't mean, you know, they have to have the least of anything. So so that's just a quality gifts. Yeah. It, that's it's just an issue of mine that I just want them to have the best because, you know, um, my son, Sean, that just died, um, he's got, got an 11 year old son who, you know, at the funeral broke down in front of everybody and just said, I just lost my best friend in the whole world. And he's going through a lot of issues right now. And, and not just him, they all are, you know, and that's when my heart hurts. And that's when my heart goes to is the children. Um but of course, like, you know, the parents, um, you know, we've um, we've helped um, get people into treatment. We've done things like that. So all our money goes to good use. Yeah. It yeah. does not go. Um, so if anybody wants to donate, absolutely. Yeah. Just guide them to, to our, our I will. website. I, I, I think it sounds amazing what you're doing. And I will include uh, the donation link in the, in the website. So if anybody, if any of our listeners want to um go donate. This is a, a tremendous cause. And, and Cheryl, I just want to uh, want to say personally, I'm so deeply sorry for your loss um, of both of your sons. I didn't realize the one was so recent and I, um, I can't imagine. Um, yeah, it, it was, you know, so people ask me how I, I actually, I was on the Tamron Hall show um, last December yeah. and um, they asked, you know, like, how do you do it? And, and I said, you know, when I lost him, I, it, it just brought me back to Corey again. And, and I'm like, I just lost two kids. How do I do this? But guess what? I have team sharing. There was about 20 moms in my house constantly, constantly. Cheryl, do you need, you, let me get you slippers. Let me make you a sandwich. Let me, I didn't have that with Corey. You know what I mean? So I looked at that and I said, wow, the grief that I feel with Sean will always be there. But it lessened because I have people that get it and they're around me all the time. And that's what we're all about. And it gets you through. It got you through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's the power team sharing, team sharing. Um, thank you. Cheryl. I, I plan on sharing this. I'm going to share your organization everywhere. I think it's great. Um, and I want to thank you again. And, um, and really what you're doing is like, you are, you know, pushing just these public health initiatives at the community level. And I, I admire that. Um, and I see, I see the power of um, small group initiatives and grassroots efforts, and they make a huge yeah. difference. They do. Um, they do. And you're helping so many people through all of your grief. And that's amazing. That's amazing. Can't relate. I cannot relate to it. I, I just, I see it. Um, and I do admire it and your, your courage um, and everything you're doing. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing today. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, and I know, I don't know what the weather is like up there. It's, it's a, it's actually a decent day here in the city. So <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of rainy, but it's supposed to be rainy. about 60 degrees. Six, yeah. Yeah. It, it's getting there. It's starting to. Yeah. It starts like slow. It's slowly becoming spring. It's been weird here in the city as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have to go take my dog out soon. He's uh, <laughs> looking at me like, <laughs> But I will be in touch. Um, All right, good. I'm glad. I think we touched base on everything. We did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
All right. Well, it, thanks, Cheryl, so much. I'll be in touch over email. All right. Thanks, Erin. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right, everyone. I want to thank you for listening, tuning in to this episode of Causes or Cures. I want to thank Cheryl for sharing such a heartfelt personal story, um, telling us all about team sharing and what it's like to navigate through such grief. I also want you guys to know that I'm going to share the link to team sharing, including their store and also a race that is a big fundraiser for them. Um, They have a lot of cool things in their shop. The race is May 7th. Uh, I'm not sure if they have more races throughout the year, but it's good to just have all of that on your radar. Um, Let me know what you guys thought. You can reach me, of course, at my website, bloomingwellness.com. You can find me on social media. Um, You can get there through my website, of course. And, you know, my blog there, my health blog, where I do write a bit about the opioid epidemic, too. Um, So check it out. And hopefully I will see you guys here next time. Okay. Take care of each other. Bye.